Welcome to the Real Estate Masters Podcast, a podcast with top real estate agents sharing insights of how they've grown their business. Every guest is unique and serves different markets, so you will find value in each and every episode. And now our host, executive coach, April Mack. honor for you to join me for our fifth episode of Real Estate Masters. Thank you. Please subscribe and share with others. And we would so appreciate it if you'd write us a good review. We love getting your feedback. Today, I'm interviewing Andrea Bloom. She's from Toronto, Canada, top 1% of realtors in her market. And this is a very unique interview. I love some of the insight that Andrea shares. She's a person that knows the numbers. And she devises a business plan for what, how much money she wants to make in the upcoming year and how much time that she wants to take off. And because she knows the numbers, she knows what she will have to do to accomplish those goals. If you get bogged down in work, you're going to love listening to this interview because with Andrea taking off months of the year, she says she does not live to work but she works to live. And I hope that in the midst of this very busy, hot real estate market that we're finding in most of the country, that you are finding time to continue to live and you don't get so bogged down. This is a great interview. You're not going to want to miss a moment of it. So we're going to get right to it. Here's Andrea Bloom from Toronto, Canada. Well, hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for being a guest with me today. And tell us a little bit about you. Well, thank you for for having me. Yeah, where to start? I'm a real estate agent. (laughs) (laughs) And we love your beautiful accent. So tell us where you're from. Thank you. Um, Yeah, about my accent. I can't hide that. (laughs) Actually, I never try hiding it. It's funny enough. Some some people feel like they want to talk louder. And I always said, I don't have a problem with my ears. It's just an accent. (laughs) But um, yeah, so it's not something that stops you in real estate, by the way. I'm from Romania. I immigrated to Canada in 2007. And I've been a real estate agent since 2011. Um, I worked before in the movie industry as a special effect makeup artist, and I really enjoyed it, actually. But moving in, in, in Canada, things were a little bit different than back home, and I just decided to switch into something that, believe it or not, it was very spontaneous, just going on my laptop and think of a business that I can you know, start here in Canada as a, as a new immigrant that really has um, sky is the limit, you know, that that was my criteria, nothing else. Looking at different, different uh, future, you know, jobs and, and, and studying them, I realized sales are one of the probably few um, businesses that really gives you that, that sense of, of you are in charge at all time and you can grow your business as much as you want and you can take as much time off as you want depending on how you work your business plan and and it ends up uh, being real estate agent so that wow. was pretty much it it was simple and when did you start your real, real estate business i started i i finished 
the school and license in 2011. However, for about a year, I think I wasn't quite 100% involved in it. But then slowly, slowly, I, after, you know, for that period of time of a year, I decided this is going to be a full-time job and completely involved in it. It was more like a, a, a family decision rather than, than my decision. I always knew that I wanted real estate as a full-time, but dynamics between you know, and around the family wouldn't allow me at that particular time. But yeah, other right. than that, yeah. And so where do you live currently? I live in Toronto, uh, Ontario, Canada, because some people get confused. Ontario is in different places. Um, right. Uh, we are north from you guys. <laughs> right. Um, that place where it's cold all the time, but right now it's not. It's actually, I think it's, 30 degrees outside today. So it's beautiful and totally enjoying it. Wow. So you um, started your real estate career. You're in Toronto. And so where do you stand? Because I know you're a pretty high ranking uh, agent there in that market. Yeah. So we do receive every year, you know, based on the number of sales and the, also how much you earn that year. You, you They give you a ranking and then you will know how to praise yourself and and advertise yourself about it. But um, yeah, as as right now, I'm one of the five um, percent in 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 Canada and one percent in Toronto. I'm very happy and proud to say that. And um, I'm hoping that that's going to to stay the same even this year due to everything that's going on. Yes, as you should be very proud because I'm sure, no doubt, you have worked very hard for that status. And what do you, how are you handling? I mean, obviously, what's the pandemic like and how is it affecting your business there? I mean, everywhere across the United States and and the date of this recording, I'll just go ahead and say is July 24th so that um, you can put in context as people will listen to this later in time, but how is it affecting your business and how are you working through that? And what is it like there? Cause I know it's, it's different in different places. Without a question affected the market. I mean, it, it really depends on how you want to look at it. Although we went through the pandemic, the prices didn't go down at all. Actually, we, we had an increase in the last two um, two months. So um, that we can say that it didn't really affect the prices. However, it affects the real estate agents because the transaction transaction wise, it went down 80%. So you're looking at, you know, the same, um, the same amount of agents working and sharing right now 20% of the business. So um, it's been good for our clients and for sellers in particular, um, but agents are definitely struggling to share a much, much smaller market for us right now. Wow. Right. So are you, uh, have you been in lockdown as, as we were back in um, April? Did you experience a lockdown like that or? Yeah. yeah. So we, we were in lock, lockdown from late March until actually less than three weeks ago. And oh wow! As a real estate agent, we were allowed to still show properties to a certain extent in certain conditions, as you probably have 
the same over there. We still have this restriction. We don't have open houses. Um, we don't get more people than a certain number in the house at a time. But I think that was not necessarily the issue. The issue was that people were suddenly scared to receive any type of showings. In particular, my area where I work, I work with a lot of seniors. So uh, right away, I said, this is not going to go well. And we seized any preparation of any listings for the time being. And a lot of the, the seniors, actually, they were supposed to go into nursing homes. And now they decided that probably that's not the best idea. So they're going to wait a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about, I, I want to talk about what your business looks like now. And of course, pre uh the pandemic, but you know, what is your specialty? How do you market yourself? What, um, if you have a a certain particular market that you're really kind of working. And then I really want to go back to when you started into real estate and how you built yourself up, but tell us a little bit first about what does your career, your real estate business look like, like as of last year, what, how did you market yourself and what does your business look like? So, just to kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping um, I'll answer your question. I'm just going to go through a couple of things that I have in my business plans and, and usually to recognize how my year was and what to plan for, for the next year. I always look at the year prior year and we usually, I usually look at what was our Average. I keep saying our, but it's actually just me. Um, your my average transaction price, and for example, last year was one point five, and then the volume it's always around twenty one to twenty five mil, millions in sales volume. So that's pretty much how I put together my business plan to understand numbers. I'm very keen on on understanding numbers and percentages in order to put together the next business plan where I set myself a goal that will be a certain percentage more and how that will translate and the number of transactions or either, um, you know, maybe a higher price point that will cover that will cover that that amount of money that in the end needs to be achieved. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you're working that business plan, I mean, how, how do you structure that? How do you, I mean, are you actually sitting down and literally working down uh, a business plan at the beginning of the year or, I mean, how is that structured? Usually the business plan starts actually in November with the last touch-ups at the end of November, beginning of, of December. That's where the next year, uh, the, the business plan for the next year has, for me, has to be in place in order to have a clear understanding between um, closings that overlap um, and all of these um, these um, aspects to, to understand them. So to answer your question, the business plan starts in November and ends at the beginning of December. It's very interesting to me that you're very intentional about that. And I don't, that's not something you hear a lot of agents 
taking their business that serious that they're going to actually sit down and write a business plan. So what's included in your business plan, like your the goals of how many closings you want for the year? Uh, I mean, what can you give us just a practical illustration of what that looks like? Usually the business plan starts with the previous year or better said the year that that we're currently in Um, right and then review what happened and understanding if there's any patterns if there's any mistakes anything that we i've learned from and and i'm like i said i'm very big on on numbers so i keep track of everything i do and in this way it's very easy to identify what should be the priority for next time or where where i should work so once i put together this um spreadsheet where i understand the numbers from the previous year um then i start to create the new year and that creating in that new year is how many closings you want for that year and um is there are, are there no usually it's uh, every year starts with with the goal for me the idea of of the transact the number of transaction of um a number an amount a sum it doesn't say anything so for me the the it starts with what do i want to do that year i want to buy an another um, investment property i want to travel somewhere i want to do some particular renovations that will cost hundreds of thousands so once i put that together which is the the, the other part of the business plan, which is the personal part of the business plan, then that will motivate me to understand how much money I have to make that year or and then indirectly how many transactions um, and then the price point and obviously what type of commission I would charge in order to to work less wow. <laughs> and make more money. That's uh, that's very interesting, and I've really not heard other people talk so much about this. And I love the fact that you're including what you want in your personal life, and so what you need to accomplish in your business, so that you can get what you want from your personal life. And so many people are just so concentrated on business, and obviously, we're you know a multifaceted person a, a being and we need to incorporate the fun and the things that we enjoy and so i think that's amazing um i love that you shared about that what when how i mean how how do you market yourself andrea uh, i know it's going to sound strange or funny or um i don't <laughs> i don't market myself i'm a huge believer on working as less as possible spending as less as possible and making as much as possible so when it comes to marketing i'll be honest with you i can tell you from my net sheets that my marketing on a yearly basis doesn't go higher than twelve thousand per year that's as much as i pay on everything that means marketing everything else is prospecting i'm a salesperson so i have to talk if i if i don't talk i don't make money and i realized that that talking it's way way more efficient than any piece of paper or anything i mean don't get me wrong if i would be a celebrity i can put a tweet out there and make millions or on instagram there's no question about it but i'm not and I love my privacy. So I just talk with people and that 
it costs you time, obviously, but it's extremely efficient and and becomes so rare these days that you don't have much competition. So, mm. and so, what does that look like in practicality? How how are you prospecting and talking? I talk with a lot of people. I do a lot of call calling. I know it sounds old fashioned, but it's so predictable. You, I I got it down to a science to a number of you have to talk to a certain number of people to know exactly how many transactions you're going to close that month. It's as simple as that. And for me, it works because it's extremely uh, predictable and, and it's not waiting. It's not something that I'm waiting for someone to reach out to me. It, it's not in any way that, that you know, what's happening in, in, in this social media would affect me, who came out with the new trend, with this and that. You, you, you just have to talk with people. You, you just sell houses. And a lot of these people don't necessarily spend their time on, on social media. And you're losing millions and millions of dollars of people that, that would prefer to talk with people in person. Not, don't get me wrong. I think um, social media is it's huge, it's humongous, and it's going to continue to develop and and, and it, it works for a lot of people and, and probably many of them, they're doing much, much better than me because they're mastering the social media. I'm not against that at all. It's just something that worked for me and I'm comfortable with and it gives great results and it's extremely predict- predictable. That's what I like when I put my goal out there and at the beginning of the year, I, I can say with certainty that by the end of the year, I'm going to achieve it because my numbers never lie. So I'm, I'm comfortable wow. with that. So when you do cold calling, is that calling for sell by owners? Is that just calling a neighborhood? What does that look like? Yeah. So it, it, it goes, first of all, your sphere of influence without a question to keep calling them and keep providing them with, with, um, I'm, I'm a strong believer of don't, just put out there your achievements because nobody really cares about it. Like, seriously, nobody cares when you start bragging. As long as you call people to give and give and give, there's always they're, they're going to give back. So I, I keep in touch with, with my sphere of influence and, and past clients, and I provide them with good content and, and adverti- advertise what's going on in the world that it's meaningful for them and that brings me a certain amount of business but I also put in 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 my business plan that that should never be more than 10 to 15 percent per year the rest should be new business with new people and then um, like you said for sale by owners expires well we're not going to call them expires we're not allowed to call expires here people that they can sell the house and if that we don't have sufficient um, uh, for sale by owners, then I would just start calling around listings that I sell, and um, that that's pretty much it. Wow! Yeah. So, would you? Could I be a, a a person on the other end of a phone call for for anything? I mean, you're prospecting me, so would you would you role play with me? I would just love to hear how this goes because you said you've got it down pretty well. Sure. Uh, the, that I just sold the property on in the neighborhood? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. 
Hi. Uh, hi, good afternoon. This is Andrea Bloom calling from Royale Page, and I'm calling you with great news. I just sold your neighbor at 56 Overbank, and it actually went over asking, so selling for over $2 million. And I was wondering, when do you plan on moving? Oh, wow. That's interesting that you called because we've been talking about moving, and we don't have a set date, but we are looking to move uh, sometime maybe in the next year. Got it. May I ask you, because I know the neighborhood very well, you're in such an amazing neighborhood. What motivates you to make the move? We're wanting to move south where it's warmer. <laughs> oh, I totally get it. I understand. I understand. You know, I that that's a valid point. If, if you were to, to decide to move, you have a place in mind that you would consider? Uh, we're looking at going to Florida. To Florida. Okay. Interesting. Do you have someone that you, you work with right now, you know, actively looking for yourself, for you, for you to? No, no, we haven't started that process yet. I would actually, believe it or not, I know it, it sounds, but it's really coincidence that I'm actually good friends with the top producer and she is doing amazing and helped actually numerous uh, clients of mine uh, back there. And I would love to to um, pass on that her information. Would that be okay? Oh, absolutely. I would love that. That's great. Just so you know, there's no commitment whatsoever. And, you know, it's just a matter of you receiving useful information to make a, an informed decision before uh, before making the move. Sure. I would love that. I appreciate that very much. My pleasure. Now, I wanted to ask you because I, I was telling you about your neighbor selling. Um, I, I just want to know, what would be the, the price that would motivate you to actually make the move faster than uh, the next year? Probably, oh, one and a half million. One and a half million? Okay. Obviously, I haven't seen your house um, to to give an informed, you know, um, opinion on it, if, if it's worth it or not. But I would definitely love to take a look and, and like I said, give you some useful information and, and help you make an informed decision. Would that be okay with you? Absolutely. Yeah, that would be great. Amazing. And let me ask you, is it, is it you and your husband that you're going to make the decision together or who's the decision making? Yes. Yes. It's, it's both of us. Yes. Amazing. And is this your cell number or your home number? This is my cell number. Your cell number. Amazing. I have it here and I, I'll make a note. I would love to just come by just 15 minutes to take a look at your house, give you a proper evaluation and, and see if it's worth. In the same time, I'll, I'll text you um, the information of, of this great friend of mine and see if you can get any idea. There. Have you seen anything yet over there? No, we just looked online. You looked online. Okay. And sorry, I've, I forgot to ask you, do you have kids in school here or? No, no, we're retired. You're retired. Okay. And the kids will stay behind and you move to Florida? Yeah, they're just going to come visit real often. Oh, that's amazing. Sounds good. Okay. Um, is it okay if I follow up with you tomorrow? I Usually when I put together this evaluation, I take my time to to um, do a lot of research. This is a, the, the best time and the best number to call you out to in order to get this info? Yeah, this would be fine. Perfect. Great. Okay. So here I would close. The idea is that it sounds like I'm going to go, but the reality is I'm not going to go. <laughs> because, and, and I'll tell you why. From here, I just opened the conversation 
And then later on, I actually, the next day, I'm calling to see what's the feedback from the husband and what she discussed with the husband. And then from there, I'm starting asking pre-qualifying questions. And if they answer correctly, then I'm going to leave them again a couple of days before I ask additional pre-qualifying questions. So I don't actually go on this. I talk sufficient with them and I talk them into the idea of selling faster than a year. A year from now, it's way too long for me to waste my time to go and preview the property. But it gives me that possibility and that opening to stay in touch with them and see if there's real motivation to actually push them faster, help them to find something there. If they want to sell and buy first, see if they want to sell, maybe it's a good timing now and then they're going to rent. So there's a lot going on in the, the, the pre-qualifying process. It's a very long process, but that will be the first opening, let's say, if, if I've never talked to you and this is the first time I talk. Wow. So how many of those kind of phone calls do you have to make before you're going to make some money? Um, my stats are showing that if I talk, not how many calls you make, because a lot of people don't answer, but if I talk with about 100, 150, depends on, on the time of the year, you get a sale. Okay. Wow. And then how many sales are you having a year? Anywhere between 15 to 20. Wow. So those are, but those are good, high valuable quality sales, obviously. So all, all my clients sell, this, buyers or, or sellers, nobody ends up walking away. The, the, I never had a listing that was on the market that didn't close. I prefer not to take a, a listing if they're not motivated. So it's 100%. My process of qualifying them, it's longer and is more tedious than once I have them on board. Once I have them on board, I know they're going to be sold. Wow. That's really amazing, Andrea. And how did you get to that point? Because I'm sure you didn't start out that way. I actually didn't, believe it or not. You did? <laughs> yes, because I, I'm a very lazy person. And I, I think that worked on in my advantage. I always had in mind that I don't want high volume. I want qualified people that if I move my body out of my house or out of my office, I know that they are ready to sign and I'm going for them to sign. And I know that they're going to be well-priced and I know they're going to be sold. And I always, always, I don't want volume. I want less you have to to serve these people. It's it's not like you don't have. Once you put it on the market, they're gone. My clients are well pampered. Don't get me wrong; they're the best clients and best pampered clients. So I put my time with them. I answer their calls anytime. They're very well taken care of. So because of that, I don't want volume. I want them to pay me a lot and to make sure that the transaction closed. That's all I want. Yeah. Are you charging a good bit more than the average agent in your area? Depends. Depends. I have clients that I absolutely love and attach to them. And then I'm sometimes a little bit more flexible. Overall, I try to be above what the, the area one charges. And then I have certain particular houses that I'm in love with. And if that's keeping me from getting the listing, then I will go lower or at the level of, of my other um, my competitors just because I love the, the house and I like to spend time in it and present it and I get excited. 
I love that. You really are completely invested, though. And I I have to say, you said you're lazy, and I don't believe that for one minute. I think you work very smart, and that's proven. And and you've, I love how you've really researched, and you have discovered what works, and and you're making that work, and it's really incredible. I'm I'm just so excited that we're doing this interview because you're sharing such a different perspective, and that's. You know, I just want to say really quickly, it, this is about you, but this is why I wanted to do the podcast because everybody works in different ways. And I feel like people can learn from someone and it doesn't mean they do exactly what they do, but they learn from different people and where someone is going to work a completely different way, but that might not work for someone, but what you're doing would work for someone and, and you're in control because you know what numbers work. And so you're in control of sitting down and getting on that phone, do do you have, it sounds like you're very knowledgeable though of your market. So are you confining yourself to one particular area that you're working? I'm, I'm a little bit of a analytic from a certain standpoint. And, and I think I like the numbers and I always look at what's going on. And, and because of that, I have, I feel like I'm confident when I express my opinions about one area or another or different markets, which would be a semi, a freehold, uh, a detached or a condo market. Um, because of that, I really feel comfortable to go anywhere. I had situations where clients or referrals were asking me to go in areas where I didn't feel comfortable or I didn't have sufficient data to get information and then I decided to refer it then rather than take the listings. So I don't take listings just for the sake of taking listings because they take time and they take mindset. And for me, that that's number one. If, if you take unmotivated people or, or places that you don't know how to price it, it will affect your, your mindset. And, and then suddenly you, you lose more way more deals than than if you were to to sell this one and and in my opinion usually it doesn't work and and sometimes you don't even end up selling that particular property so i feel very to answer your question i feel very comfortable going literally anywhere in ontario because that's where i have my license but there are some places up north where um, my knowledge is i don't think it's sufficient to really fulfill my duty towards my clients and that I would say very straightforward to my clients I, I wouldn't take the listing because of that but other than that I'm okay pretty much everywhere I can do you feel like that because you are selective and so successful then because you say if I take a listing it's going to sell do you feel like it's worked in your favor that now you have created the almost that you're more in demand, a supply and demand mentality. You're going to do less, but better quality. Do, do your clients feel that and have they uh, connected to that mindset? You know, there's, you know how they say there's any type of shoe for any type of, of uh, clients out there, size wise, uh, color wise. So you, you can fit, you know, to everyone's taste. And I do have a particular taste in the sense that I'm not flexible, especially when it comes to, to the price. So I don't see that that really puts me into an advantage towards my competition, which will go in and say, I can 
price your property $200,000 more than the, the, the market value. That sounds very appealing to a lot of people. They end up not selling, but that, that's not the point. I, I don't think that I appeal to everybody, but it works in particular for me because I have a lot of free time. And that's the most important for me. This is a job. This is not my life. It's just a job. Like I, it happens that I'm very passionate about it, but the idea is to have a comfortable life and a fulfilled life and a fulfilled professional life. But in the end, I have a family and I have time that I prefer to spend somewhere else than to, to be at work. So I'm okay not being everyone's taste, <laughs> but as long as I reach my goal for the year, <laughs> So um, no, I, I think I think there's people out there that prefer different styles, and they're looking for something else. And sometimes even you know the fact that I'm an accent will 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 make people not want to um, even ask me to to come for an evaluation, or the fact that I'm a woman, or the fact that probably I'm not a man, or if I was a man that I'm not a woman. You know, there's always always different criteria that that are part of of being a salesperson so it's but I'm I'm perfectly fine with that yeah well I love your accent so I think it's beautiful and we're gonna have to catch up later because I've been to Romania a couple of times and we'll have to talk about that so you talked about your body you you've said we but it's not we it's just me and is that really true this is just a solo operation yeah so the reason I say we is because the reality is I have a bunch of people that I hire when I need them. So I don't have a team in the classical sense of a team of a buyer agent, a seller agent, agents that work under me. That's not my thought and if I would ever try to expand I would like everybody to be successful and have their own name and create their own brand so not being under me and me being the listing agent of the team so I I don't really entertain that that thought at all but I have people that work for me in the sense of for that particular listing when I need them I will hire them. I have a stager, I have a home inspection, I have an assistant that helps me w- with certain paperwork and stuff like that. but these are not full-time part of the team and none of them are actually real estate agents okay so um in terms of who sells it's me and that's another thing that i'm very keen on i want to take the listing and my client feels so comfortable that they're not going to talk after with um a secretary that has no clue what she's talking about my clients will talk with me. This is a huge emotional time for them and they need to feel like they're taking care of, uh, you know, who's taking care of them. It's that the best person at all time. So then how do you take time off? Believe it or not, you, I take time off by putting my time off at the beginning of the year in my calendar. That's when I, I determine in November what's going to happen next year, when I'm going to take off. <laughs> and because everything is so scheduled, every time I take listing, I make sure that because it's so qualified, I know exactly how long it will take to sell. So I know I can take off after. So it's very predictable. That's the beauty of this type of system that would allow me to know exactly 
how many days I can take off. I, I put together how many days I'm going to work and how many days I'm going to prospect and how many days I'm going to serve uh, clients and how many days I'm going to take off. And, and then I put in my calendar all my personal and family commitments for that particular year, either it's wedding and this and that, and making sure that I would never put a client and then I have a wedding and can serve my client and I have to ask um, a colleague or something like that. Obviously, life is not as organized as we would like, and sometimes things happen. And I have, uh, I'm very blessed with very good, good um, friends in the business that can always um, step in for me and they know my, my standards and how. Um, crazy I am about my clients and um, and um, they they would help but because of that I I always for I'll just give you an example last year I basically worked five months of the year and the rest it was they were off wow I just enjoy it wow and and at that you were the top one percent in your market of realtors that's amazing, Andrea. And do you know how many people are going to listen to this and be so jealous? <laughs> but you're working smart and it's incredible. I, I And I so respect you for balancing life and what's really important and what you know gives you fulfillment. And I want to tell you, it just that's a remarkable and, and so respectable. And I am so thankful to hear you share uh, these things. What what does your family life look like? Just because we want to know you. You're such a a beautiful person. Just listening to you and how you work and how you think. So you've got children. Um, what what? Tell us about you just a little bit. Yeah. Um. I have uh, a daughter which I absolutely adore, and she's priority number one in my life. Believe it or not, whenever she can give me time, everything cancels for her. It's like. And how old is she? She's eighteen. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So I know that the time is going to be shorter and shorter. The time that we'll spend together. So I know my priorities. And I know that being with her for the next couple of years, it's so important. And that's my priority, number one. Yeah, and I have um, an ex-husband, which is extremely supportive, and we're best friends. And I have a boyfriend, which is an amazing partner and motivated for everything I do. And um, that's pretty much my life, and I, I enjoy it every moment. Yeah, I think that's amazing. What do you love to do for fun? Uh, believe it or not, spending time with them. And that, yeah. that's the part that makes me, yeah, smile. <laughs> yeah, sure. that's all I want to, to make sure that we spend sufficient time together and that we plan on doing things together and go vacations together. I always take um, a minimum of three vacations per year. And then obviously long weekends or whatever, um, you know, when we can have like a long weekend off. Yeah, I, I love my vacations and usually each of them are at least a week, but two, most of the time, two weeks long. So mm, I love that. Talk to me, Andrea, really quick. There are so many things I could, I could interview you for two to three hours, honestly, because you are just full of such a different way of thinking and just, I, I love the creativity that you have in 
just working in a different way and how structured you are. But how, when you got into business and started your business, did it look very much differently or how did you get started? No, I was I was very lucky, actually. I started from the beginning in that period of a year where I was still actually working um, full time. I had sufficient time to do a lot of research on training in real estate and training of business and training of sales and read tons of books. And they changed my perspective of what I've been seeing for a little bit at the time on YouTube more than Instagram at the time. It was YouTube that you had access to a lot of information and it was Facebook. So obviously I got some information from there, but looking more and more and more into the coaching programs and how sales were done um, at the beginning of real estate um, and all of that, I kind of started to put together, what do I want out of all these information? There are so many different ways of, of dealing with this business. And then I joined coaching. I, I joined different coaches in different systems. And I literally took from each of them because each of them had something that resonated with me and what I wanted and what I thought um, will go with my style. It's not necessarily the, the, the best style or the recommended style. It's just what worked for me. And I just implemented Lurie from day one and and it worked ever since. So it and it never failed. That that's the part that I, I love the most. I can it's all numbers, it's all science and numbers never lie. So it's not a it's it's something that it's accountable, it's something that you tangible. Um and and it works every time. And believe it or not, and that was one of the things that I was worried a little bit, how would that work in, in times where the market in terms of economic situations are not as good? And in 2017, where uh, the government here implemented a foreigner tax, we really had overnight the market shift and it was crazy it was a 30 percent of agents decided to quit real estate and they were they were really a struggle and i had my best years <laughs> it just proves that the system works phenomenally uh, on point um if you know how to and obviously if you know how to be consistent because if you're not consistent it's just not working mm-hmm. Yes, I, I, I so agree. When I got started in real estate forever ago, it was, you know, the for sale by owners were in the newspaper and I knew every for sale by owner in my market. I knew who the owner was. I was having conversation with them and I knew that if I, and I didn't know the numbers, like I wasn't as smart as you are to just really know the numbers. And I was a very hungry real estate agent, but I knew that if I was discouraged in my business to go back and do the fundamentals that I knew to do. And as you said, it was the one place that I had control. And, um, you know, that was uh, something that I worked. And of course, my buyers didn't have access to the internet to know everything on the market at that time either. And so it was always so good that I knew those for sale by owners that were available and out there. But you mentioned um, earlier about referrals. I mean, when we were doing our little um, 
role-playing there, you asked about referring me to an agent in Florida. You mentioned if it's a property that you don't really feel comfortable or want to list, you may refer that out. How much of your business uh, income do you feel like is from referrals? And is that something you're really working um, not as much as I would like to. And the reason why is because a lot of people that they're moving in Canada, they're moving because they want to stay in Canada. They feel like the market is very stable. They invest here. Everything goes up every year. It's almost like you bet your money in, in the best place. Because of that, not a lot of people are looking to invest um, from here outside. It's more like people that you know that they were going to come and move in Canada and they want to have a secure place when they're coming. To answer your question, I don't have that many referrals. We do some referrals to Montreal. I, I do some referrals to Montreal or to to Ottawa and the other way around um, because these are places where you don't have a license and we can't go there. Um, but I wouldn't say that it's that much. So I, w- I would say that my business is, is coming locally from Ontario. Okay. Well, there's a couple more questions. Our time is starting to run out and I hate that, but there's a couple more questions that I want to ask you. How do you, you, and I feel like we're jumping all over the place, but there's a few things that you've said, and I just really want to hit on that. You were talking about the seller and we did our role playing, but how do you handle a seller that wants to list their property for more than it's worth, or it's going to make it not a a good listing for you. Can you give me some of the verbiage that you would give to that seller? I I walk away. You walk away. I walk away. Yes. So we we determine that in pre-qualification. And if I hear them that they are massively overpriced, I literally, I say, I'll call you in a couple of years. (laughs) And then I hang up and go to the next one. Um, if they're just a little bit overpriced, then I talk with them and I try to convince them over the phone of the real price based on verbally, not sending them any listings whatsoever or anything like that, that they're, the, the price that they're thinking it's, it's over. If they end up being motivated so the motivation is really strong after two three times or even four sometimes even five phone calls of pre-qualification it sounds like their motivation is really really high then i plant my seeds in there for them to accept the price when i come and i it's the time when i also sign and um and Listen, some many times doesn't work, but a lot of times it actually wor- works. You you plant the seeds over all these phone calls of pre-qualification where you make them and you give sufficient evidence and you have logic in what you're saying. If you're just saying, oh, yeah, I think you're overpriced, don't do it, that that's not a, a good strategy. It's, it's never my opinion. It should never be my opinion on, on the price. I don't even use that term other than the first phone call. After that, it's all facts and numbers and what the market dictates and, you know, all of these things, which are very hard for anyone who's, who has a, a level of intelligence to, to challenge when you give arguments. If, if they keep saying no and no and no, that means it's a waste of time. 
if the motivation is really, really high and I know that they're going to sell regardless, I go there and I usually end up closing them on the price when I go to sign. Hmm. And what would be, you close them on the price and and I know you've really prepped them previously, but how do you have something particular that you're saying to them to close them on that? It usually goes over, like I said, three, four conversations on the phone where I keep repeating what the market shows that the property should be at. And I keep going back for them to their motivation. That's pretty much the conversation goes back over and over again between price versus motivation, price versus motivation. And in this way, it it kind of close them into accepting the price because the motivation is there. If there's no motivation, then you're wasting your time trying to convince them on the price because there's really no motivation. So they're not going to be, their ears are not open. So as long as every time you talk about the price, right away, you ask a question about their motivation, not reminding them about their motivation into saying, I know you want to move, but asking them a question which will put them in a position of answering and reminding them indirectly about their motivation, then mentally they have this game between the price and motivation and they start coming together. I love that. And I I love that you know your you know your market, you know your properties and you're being selective in what you're listing. And I know that that has to make you very respectable even from the other realtors in your market that they know if it's Andrea Bloom's listing, then it's going to be a good listing priced right that with a motivated seller. And I think that's that's really incredible. Thank you. I'm very lucky in the sense that I work particular, not a lot of my business comes from there, but I work everywhere in Ontario, as I said, but particularly I work in the neighborhood where I have two very, very extremely strong competitor, which by the way, they each have 10 or 15 people in their team. So obviously the the numbers are not adding up in the sense of they're going to have more listings than I have, but that never stopped me. And, and we 90% of the time we go all three of us to the same presentations and sometimes they get it, sometimes I get it. And um, I, it's not like we have the best relationship or we're friends going out, but we do respect each other. And to be honest with you, I've learned a lot from them, either in a sense of pricing when I first started, because they're both in the business for 25 and 30 years. But also I've learned a lot of the things that I shouldn't do. And that, that really, I, I always said to them, I, I, when I had the chance, I met with one of them and we sit down and we talked and I said, um, you know, we're in the same side of being real estate. But when I'm when I'm there, I'm going to be like a tennis player. I'm going to kick your ass and I'm going to use your mistakes that you've done um, to um, to get the listing if needed. So I love that. That's awesome. Just a good, healthy competition. How do you handle when that disappointment comes, Andrea? Do you let it bother you? I mean, what's your, how do you deal with that? I think if you ask me, that's really the difference between a good agent and a successful agent and a mediocre agent. How long you're going to spend um, thinking about that person that 
picked someone else. And I've, I would say that the first year was, was hard. After that, now I don't treat it like that. I actually treat it completely the opposite. I call them and I insist on giving me feedback why they choose the other agent. And I try everything possible to make them feel comfortable that they can reach me at any time. And I, I totally respect their choice. And believe it or not, I have numerous people that they decided to take it off the market because they were overpriced and they end up never selling and they end up selling with me after and we bought to get also. So I always keep that door open. Um, it's, it's such a personal decision that you cannot judge someone picking someone else. It's, it's their life, it's their, you know, Agnes that, that they built for years for the retirement. Who am I to judge uh, what they're considered the best for their families? So I, I'm at the beginning, I thought that my, I guess because I was in the office and hearing people, you know, talking trash about clients and stuff like that and kind of went to my head. And after that, I made my own mind and I said, listen, I would do the same. This is their equity. Who am I? I'm nobody in their life to judge them what who they're going to choose and what they're going to do. But I will be nice to them to feel comfortable that if it doesn't work out or they didn't like the service and they take it off the market, they feel so comfortable to call me. And, um, yeah, so I, I do it like that. So it, it doesn't faze me anymore if I don't, if I don't um, get a, a listing. Okay. So the last thing, because I, I, I said I was going to ask you two more questions, and I think I've thrown five in here, but you mentioned you watched uh, YouTube videos. Is there anything particular that you, you know, anything particular that you could sh- pass on and say, this was something that was really valuable to me? I, I, I have Audible, which I discovered because I'm dyslexic and it's hard, hard for me to read. And I discover this amazing tool that you can actually listen to books. <laughs> so um, I highly recommend for anyone who's busy in real estate and while they're traveling to, to listen to that. So I would say that. And if I were to, to recommend a book that is basically the book that started all for, for me and, and at least in real estate, not in my personal life, but in real estate, I would say that it's Think and Grow Rich by uh, Napoleon Hill, which, believe it or not, is my book that I still, after 10 years, it looks really bad. I have it on my on my hard copy and I have it on my Audible. I have one vacation per year, which is called Relaxing Vacation, where you go in a place where there's water and sun and you just don't do anything then to work on your mindset and relax and you know think of all the good things in life. So when I go there every year, I read this book again, over and over again. It's not like I agree with everything that it's in there, but it's um, so motivational for me. And, and I feel that whatever works, you know, people are saying, what's this? What's this podcast and, and this and that? Whatever works for you. For me, for example, it works to watch tennis, <laughs> believe it or not. I watch tennis and suddenly I'm like, oh, if she was able after five hours to still hit that ball, then I can make one more phone call. So it's all good. It feels like that type of competition that I love. That's interesting. Yes, it's funny what different things motivate all of us. And part B of that question was you mentioned 
that um, that you had a coach and how impactful. And of course, I'm asking that because I am a, an executive coach and I work with uh, entrepreneurs and executives and uh, some real estate agents. But how impactful, um, you know, out of curious, and you can be very honest in that answer, but how impactful do you feel like that was in your career? I think it was fundamental. I think without that, I would have been like a chicken without a head. I think it's like exactly like a tennis player. You have uh, Serena Williams still has a coach. (laughs) Excuse me. Do you really think she needs a coach? I think she still needs a coach (laughs) at her level. So if she needs a coach, then everybody needs a coach. Um, it's it's a, a coach is not about um, how much you know uh, or information. In today's society where you can Google or go on Facebook and Instagram and this and that and that and that, you have all the information at a click of a button. And that's one of the reasons people are asking, why are you sharing all your secrets all the time with everybody? Any agent that's asking you is it because nobody's going to do it. <laughs> So it's, it's nothing to be afraid of. It's okay. People will listen and they're never going to do it. Why would you share with your competition? Because they're not going to do it. Do you hear me? <laughs> they're just not going to do it. Yes, that's right. So just do it, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, Andrea, because you're so busy and yet you prioritize your time so well, I say thank you so very, very much for taking time to do this interview because you are definitely a diamond that just shines in such a a, a place that I don't want to say diamond in the rough because that's not the right illustration, but you're doing things in such a different way than the norm um, from most people that I talk to. And it's so is working for you. Oh, really? Because I thought everybody's kind of doing the same thing, but it's nice to hear. I mean, it's, it's interesting to hear from you because you talk with a lot of agents and you collect a lot of information. It's interesting to hear that people don't do that. I thought, I thought everybody prospects. To be honest with you, um, I think regardless from where you're getting your leads, because that's the bottom line, these leads are not going to become um, a, a paycheck for you if you don't prospect and you don't call and you don't talk with these people. Right. And, and of course, I would say every successful agent is prospecting in their way. But the fact, the fact that you know your numbers and the fact that you're working solo and you are taking, you're the only person that I know that's taking off months out of the year and doing it on purpose and truly enjoying your life. And that is so inspiring because I am a firm believer and I don't want to get on my soapbox, but that we are, I I, I can't wait. There's a book coming out, uh, I think in November called take, uh, take my life back, or I'm taking my life back or something like that. And I listened to a podcast, uh, with the guest on it, uh, just this week. And I was so inspired and motivated and yet sad because so many people are their life is just being consumed and um, we're not letting our soul rest, you know, and we weren't designed to live like we're on a uh, indie race course, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And um, so many people are just missing all of the beauty that's around them because they can't slow down. And so uh, it's been so refreshing to listen to you and how you have built an amazing business that you are in control of. And I think that would be my takeaway from our conversation. So 
thank you. Thank you for, for having me. And I hope uh, this will help anyone out there that may share the same thoughts or lifestyle or needs or wants because it's not for everybody. Everybody has, you need to be fulfilled and, and everybody's fulfilled in different ways. Yeah. I, I believe that. And you, I know, I, I believe with all my heart, you're going to be a great inspiration to a lot of people and they'll implement something that they've got from this podcast, uh, no doubt. So if you've got a referral going to Toronto, then by all means, give Andrea a, a good qualified referral, <laughs> then get in touch with Andrea because she is. They can reach me actually on, um, on the, the one that I always looked at and that's how we met it was on instagram so they can reach me at andrea bloom underscore real estate on instagram the other ones i don't really check that much so right and it's andrea bloom no e on the end just b-l-u-m yes so andrea yeah. bloom b-l-u-m um underscore real estate and on instagram yeah yeah thank you andrea it's been a delight to have you I trust that you really enjoyed and got a lot from the interview with Andrea. I challenge you to right now think about what are the highlights, your takeaway from the interview, and are there any action steps that you should take in your life um, that you got just from listening to the interview? Maybe it sparked something for you. We find value in something. It's so important that we take a moment and really write it down, make an action step. Otherwise, it can go in one ear and out the other. I want to mention to you that I am a executive coach. I work with different executives, entrepreneurs, small business owners, and of course, real estate agents. And I would love to have a conversation with you about what coaching might mean for you in your business. I also do team workshops would love to come in if you work as a team, even your company, and uh, do a team imprint workshop. They are such great value. It's just at a Chamber of Commerce event. Actually, even during the COVID uh, pandemic, we wore masks and we separated, but it was part of that um, about a week ago. And I um, love coming in and, and just spending time with people live and in person, and also able to do uh, virtual events as well through Zoom and uh, do most of my coaching that way as well. So I would love to have a conversation with you and let's talk about what coaching might look like in your own life. I also do mastermind groups and have a few openings for some of my upcoming new to start mastermind groups for real estate agents. Those are typically $129 a month, but I have a special right now for my podcast listeners. Uh, you can put a coupon in. Podcast is the coupon code, and that will get you into a mastermind group for only $79, which is a great value. You can just imagine what you spend $79 on to just go out to dinner with your family. $79 would be a bargain, right? And um, you can take that and invest in your business and I really believe everyone sees great value from that. Their business increases. So consider joining a mastermind group. Feel free to look at my website. It is coachaprilmack.com for any more information about these things. I just I want to remind you that, um, that it is so important that we balance life and work. And I love the little quote that says, do less 
be more. And I hope you're doing well at just being and not always doing. It's so important that we take time just to be, uh, to be with the people that we love, to be with ourselves and to have our own thoughts. So take some time to be and join me in the next episode. Here's a little clip of what you'll hear in the next episode that's coming up with. I interview Christine Swires. My fake team, I call them my faux team. I'm able to mentor. I'm able to give referrals. I'm able to delegate, you know, for them to learn and exchange for them to learn and the mentorship, you know, they will gladly be a showing assistant. They will gladly be a buyer's agent. They will gladly take on any opportunities that I give them that maybe I need if I'm going out of town. So we Mm -hmm. function fully as a team, but I'm not really personally responsible for any of their sales. All right. So there you go. This is the end of our podcast today. Episode number five. Thanks for joining me and being a part. Don't forget to subscribe and go back and listen to some of the other episodes. I think you'll find value in those as well. Thanks. Have a great week. I'll see you next time.